Ascending episode one. My name is Brooke and I'm Grant and we are just so excited to be starting this channel. We have so many fun topics and ideas planned and to give you kind of an idea of what we're all about and what this channel is going to be all about. Uh, to start off, I'm super into anything spiritual, esoteric, paranormal, occult, pretty much anything out there and thought-provoking, maybe a little weird to some. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I would have to agree on the a little weird to some. I'm also into very thought-provoking ideas. I'm super into history. I really like researching physics, nature, and just generally strange, weird, paranormal things. And unusual. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So diving into today's episode, episode number one, this is about alchemy. And alchemy is a mystical and mysterious science. It's based on physical facts and spiritual philosophies. The world of alchemy has so many philosophies and studies that today we're really just scraping the surface. Yeah, and something before we get into more of the history, I just wanted to mention um, that alchemy was developed independently in multiple different cultures. You can find it in Greco-Roman Egypt, which will be my main focus, but you can also find it with Taoist monks. In China, you can find it in India, and I wouldn't be surprised if if you could find it in other cultures in history if you searched. So as I said, uh, I really will be following the Greco-Roman Egyptian history, which is what I spent my time researching. And I did want to preface this with discussing that I will be using the terms CE for Common Era and BCE for Before the Common Era. And this is really just to be more inclusive. Um, the terms that we're more familiar with are AD, which signifies Anno Domini, after the death of Christ, and BC before Christ. While we don't have any problems with these terms, or I don't have any problems with these terms, I want to be inclusive of all religions, all cultures, all people on this earth. So just a little background. The person who is attributed to bringing the concepts of earth, wind, water, and fire to Greco-Roman Egypt is actually Alexander the Great and his conquering armies. Um, so while it was not called alchemy at that current time, you could see the beginnings of alchemy and the mummification of bodies, draining them of their fluids so that you could transmute their forms so that they could pass on to the afterlife. And another thing that's really important to note in the history of alchemy that I found many times in my searches is that there were quite a few documents and books inside the Great Library of Alexandria, which were directly linked to alchemy, chemistry, the elements. And in my searches, I actually learned a lot about the Great Library of Alexandria. It did not burn in one sitting, which I had thought for my entire life. Um, it actually burned over a couple different centuries, and not all of it was direct fire burning. Some of it was simply destruction of books. It all began in 48 BCE with Julius Caesar, who instigated a civil war, which began the first burning of the library. After that, there were many, many riots where people just completely disregarded the knowledge that the library held. And the eventual demolition of the Great Library of Alexandria occurred in 391 BC by the Christian Pope at the time. Something that we did see throughout history is a lot of uh, filtering of the knowledge that has come through. So we are kind of limited in our lens of what we're able to see from that time period. And there's just one other very small thing I wanted to discuss from the very root of alchemy, and that would be the etymology, which is simply where the word has come from. Alchemy comes from 
chem, K-H-E-M, which is a Greek word for black. This eventually morphed into chemia, which was simply just a word for Egypt. And then down the line, that became alchemia, where you can see the root of the word alchemy inside alchemia. However, alchemia signified the black land, which was just another moniker for Egypt. And the reason why it was called the black land was because of all of the fertile soil along the Nile. And while they did not call this alchemy, you can see the beginnings of the combination of these elements. You can see the fertile soil as earth, you can see the water of the Nile, you can see the wind in the air, and then the fire coming from the sun um, to come together and really create this new thing, this alchemy. All right, and I'd love to pass you along to Brooke. She's gonna be discussing the Emerald Tablets. So in the past 100 years, a more recent addition to the ancient world of alchemy are the Emerald Tablets. The Emerald Tablets have many different passages that are believed to decode the secrets of nature. The one I'll be focusing on today, however, explains the concept of as above, so below. This passage reads as follows. That which is below corresponds to that which is above, and that which is above corresponds to that which is below to accomplish the miracles of the one thing. So this is important because in alchemy, it's about taking two things that are perceived to be separate and unifying them with the understanding that they are the same. They are one. This is also explaining the reflection of the universe within ourselves. Examples of these can be shown when you take two images that are highly similar of the universe, space, and of ourselves, such as the universe to a brain cell, the death of a star to the birth of a cell, also a nebula to a iris, along with many other fascinating examples. So the same passage from the Emerald Tablets continues as follows. And just as all things were created from this one thing through the meditation of one mind, so do all created things originate from this one thing through transformation. This is explaining the belief in alchemy that all things were created from one thing, created by one thing. And this one thing is called the prima materia or the first matter, the source or creator of all things. Now, the prima materia was believed to be expressed as three separate things. We see this trinity complex in many other religions and philosophies. In alchemy, these three things are sulfur, mercury, and salt. I just wanted to bring in a little history because, as you will learn over the episodes, I really love to research factual history. Jabir ibn Hayyan is actually the person, he is an Arabic scholar that was attributed to bringing the concepts of alchemy and chemistry over to the European scholars. It's really important to note, however, that this entity, Jabir ibn Hayyan, he may actually be more than one person. Uh, the amount of works that have been attributed to him are just so vast and they actually span so many different topics related to chemistry, medicine, physics, just so much um, that it's kind of unbelievable that one human would write all of this. So it's just important to note that it may be the accumulation of multiple people's works. In any case, um, he is attributed with being the father of chemistry and also bringing the concept of alchemy to European scholars and doctors. 
Once we get to Europe, my favorite alchemist is actually Paracelsus, who in life was really sassy. Um, and I'll let you guys research that on your own because it's in no way related to alchemy. But he had quite the personality. He was a searcher and a seeker, and he always wanted to know more. He was never satisfied with scraping the surface and just learning a little bit. He wanted to dive deeper. So he was a Swiss German physician and alchemist born in 1493. And as a teen, he often worked in smelting factories. So he was able to see these massive vats of metallic constituents. Um, he would see them melt down into various other metals and it got him thinking, can we transmute any metal into gold? Can we transmute non-metals into gold? So it kind of led him down this path um, just to search and to learn and to see everything he could about chemistry itself in relation to metals. I wrote down a quote that I really enjoyed from Paracelsus. It says, the universities do not teach all things. So a doctor must seek out old wives, gypsies, sorcerers, wandering tribes, old robbers, and such outlaws and take lessons from them. A doctor must be a traveler knowledge is experience. Because of this theory that he had of disseminating the information and just learning everything you could, meeting everyone you can, accumulating as much energy and passion as you can, he spent a large part of his life traveling. Because of that travel, he was able to disseminate that information. Another really important thing about Paracelsus is that he really was the first person to incorporate alchemy into medicine. Uh, before that, it had really been, according to our medicine today, it was pretty dangerous, I would say, for lack of a better term. They didn't really know what they were doing, and with Paracelsus, he experimented with a lot of medicines that contained sulfur, mercury, iron, and copper sulfate. It's important to note that he killed many of his patients doing this. However, he came out of that having found out what chemotherapy is. So he was a great mind who went a bit rogue in some of his studies. A last thing about Paracelsus that is really interesting is that he attributed a lot of astrological symbols to represent the elements. He was very much so interested in the stars, which Brooke and I are also very much so interested in. We will probably be doing an episode in the future, perhaps on the planetary metals and diving deeper, but you will certainly see the planets in space come up for us many times. The very last thing I wanted to touch upon was that Paracelsus's period um, in Europe was really the one time when they were searching for that Philosopher's Stone as a physical entity. Um, the Philosopher's Stone was supposed to catalyze two of the most sought-after goals in alchemy. I put those in quotes because Brooke and I may have slightly different goals with alchemy, but we will go into that in the future. The two traditional goals uh, would be the transmutation of base metals into gold, which you could consider the exoteric goal, which would be the physical material goal, and then the esoteric goal, which would be the spiritual inward goal, would be the attainment of eternal life. And something that was really interesting to me just personally, I didn't see this online anywhere, but both of these are really, really massively egocentric goals. Trying to 
save your physical 3D form so that it can last through generations uh, doesn't really make very much sense to me. Um, we're meant to leave this physical salt body. It's we're going to get into this later, but the body itself is much less important than the soul. As I mentioned before, I will be taking the physical facts and the spiritual philosophies and I will be unifying them, focusing on sulfur, mercury, and salt. As Grant mentioned a little bit before, in alchemy, sulfur can be related to the soul, mercury is related to the mind, and salt is related to the body. So when you study the definitions of the soul, mind, and body, things get highly interesting. So starting off with salt, or the body. Using Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the definition of body is a material structure that embodies or gives concrete reality to something abstract. Defining the word abstract, is existing in thought or as an idea, but not having a physical or concrete existence. So this is saying that our bodies are a thought or idea being structure. This is already pretty mind-blowing if you really analyze this. Uh, so continuing with mercury or the mind, the definition of mind is generating thoughts that are being structured in turn, giving them a perceived concrete form, which is the body. So breaking it down, the body is a physical form because we mentally perceive it as such. Lastly, the sulfur or soul. The definition of the soul is the actuating cause. So pretty much to simplify this, this is saying that the soul or what can also be thought of as consciousness inherently starts thinking, in turn, creating the structure it embodies. So to simplify it, furthermore, the soul creates the mind, which creates the body. So this is fascinating because this shows us how we truly create our own reality. By definition, this means when you think of your reality, that reality must follow suit. Your reality is physical thought forms. The soul generates the mind, the mind generates the body, in turn creating reality. Looping that back just because I got a little ahead of myself before, um, those two philosopher's stone goals are so salt body. They're really on this earth and it's just you will never reach that soul point if you are stuck just trying to accumulate wealth and keep your physical form. Yes, it's about uh, ascending in a spiritual sense. Yeah, and I think that's really why we chose Alchemist Ascending to be our title. Absolutely. There was just one thought that I wanted to leave you guys with. Uh, going forward, we really believe that alchemy doesn't have to be about those physical material things. It can be about more than that. We are here to redefine the purpose of alchemy going forward into the spiritual ascensions of humans on this 3D realm. Alchemy inherently is the transformation or transmutation of matter. So why wouldn't it, as matter, be capable of transmuting as well? So we're really here to combine both the body and the mind, that salt and that mercury, so that you can get to your soul level. We're wanting to elevate us living in this planet, acknowledging that physical realm and living within it, but then also understanding that it is at that level. It is physical.
and that there's more behind it, a soul behind it. Absolutely. It's really important to take the esoteric elements and the esoteric elements of alchemy and really unify the both of them because they are one, as we mentioned before. I think it's safe to say in the past, a lot of times alchemy has been stuck on the exoteric realm or the, the 3D physical gaining wealth lit immortality. It's really about focusing on both to ascend. Right. I think that's all that we had on alchemy, but we're so appreciative of everybody for joining us. Um, yes. And if you have any thoughts related to alchemy itself, any ideas for future episodes, please leave us a comment. Absolutely. We are just so excited to be starting this channel once again. We are so excited to be sharing our hearts, sharing our minds, provoking some thoughts, and just being fun and creative in the process. Yeah, allowing ourselves to be free. <laughs> yes, and like I said before, we have many fun topics and ideas planned. We have better mics coming to the set. <laughs> we did our best for episode one. We thought it would be a little more important to get our material out to you guys and start talking um, with this little guy and then later we're going to be developing yes because that is something we want to strive for is consistency and we are just so excited yeah if you guys want to stay tuned and just follow along if you want to hear more thought-provoking ideas from us and you're into this kind of topic this esoteric stuff please hit that subscribe button help us out a little bit smash the like button if you liked the video it would really help us develop our channel absolutely so until next time one love one light Stay curious.